Good morning, church. It's a great blessing to be here. I want to add my welcome uh, to all of those that are here. I know there's a lot of uh, Duck Dynasty fans that are in town this weekend and came today. So welcome. I met a lot of you yesterday. Uh, we're glad you chose to be here with us at White's Bay Road. And, of course, to uh, all of our 50-year uh, camp family, we are excited. Had a great evening last night uh, talking about those 50 years at camp. You learn a lot, Mike, from out there. I learned from Gibby this morning, Gibby doing the communion, because anytime somebody said, bless your heart to me, I'd just done something really stupid. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know there was like a spiritual meaning to that. That's, that's awesome. Um, you know, I, I, and I, I learned a lot from Lloyd last night, uh, telling us about the history of the camp. It was great to sort of see the, uh, the past, the present, the future, uh, where we're going. What a great vision uh, for camp. Uh, you may not know this, but I only went to camp one year. As a camper in 1974, I was nine years old, and I, and I didn't know anything about camp. Uh, Jan uh, took me out there. She was a counselor, and uh, I guess I never went back, so I guess my counselor was so bad uh, that I, uh, Howard Carbo was my counselor, <laughs> just so you know. And uh, But I did get back there. Uh, Mike invited me out in uh, 1990, and it was a great honor to work with him, uh, with, with Howard, and with, uh, with Chris. Uh, for the 10 years that I was there. It was also a great moment to pass it on to the next generation. Well, at least you went to camp. I, I, I can't say that I ever went to camp, so uh, I didn't have that experience as being there, so everything was brand new to me when I got there. So. Well, there's no plumbing uh, or electricity in Arkansas where Mike grew up, that's so right. that's why you don't go to camp. <laughs> uh, every weekend was a camp. Uh, uh, by, by the way, you'll, you'll, uh, my brother listens to these podcasts, so he'll appreciate this. He's so excited because... Way up in the hills where he goes and takes care of a, of a church called Bethany Church, where we do our family reunions kind of up in the middle of nowhere. Uh, he was so excited. This Labor Day is going to be our family reunion. It's always on Labor Day. And they're putting in bathrooms for the first time. Indoor bathroom. I mean, Susan, we don't have to clean the outhouse. I mean, all that's gone by the wayside. So Do they know it's 2017? I mean, I'll tell you, they're excited about it. He's like, we're going to get more people here with this. I'm like, I think you will. I think it'll work. Uh, you know, we, we add different things around here for our services. They're adding bathrooms, whatever it takes to get we them in there. bathrooms for a while. Somebody will be upset, though. Oh, these bathrooms, these newfangled ideas. I, I hate this new stuff. Uh, well, you know, this, uh, this series, moving right along. This series on freedom, which I appreciate you sporting the tie there out, was good. Yeah, was good. I can dress up. Uh, uh, freedom, what a great subject and a great time, obviously, of the year to talk about it. When I, when I think of freedom, you know, I think of things like, uh, uh, well, you know, kids, you think about what? When you get your driver's, anybody, the driver permit, driver license, or you think there's going to be freedom there, right? You think that's going to give some freedom. Does it really? No, no, it doesn't. Or when you turn 16 or you turn 18, you think, then I can, I can do anything I want to. I'm 18 years old. I can, you know, it's kind of like that kid said, I'm tired of my mom and dad telling me what to do all the time. I can, I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to do whatever I want, want to do. And he joined the military. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, think about that. Uh, Al, how did turning 18 free you up? Was not, that a good? Not too good. Not too good, Mike. I, I didn't handle my early freedom well at all. <laughs> I was still working on my testimony during that period of time. <laughs> Worked out. I came back. Uh, of course, then later on, uh, 
that freedom uh, of leaving home into your career, and then uh, you get to uh, uh, my stage and the freedom because your kids are gone. Sorry, Kristen. I mean, there is some freedom there. <laughs> my daughter is here today. I got a dirty look right there. Uh, <laughs> But there is some freedom about that, right? I mean, they're out on their own. They're, you're confident in what they're going to do because they're doing great things. And, but freedom. Freedom has a lot of different meanings for a lot of different folks. And so that's what we want to kind of share a little bit about today. Of course, I have an empty nest that has a hole in it because they keep coming back in. I don't know uh, how that works. Uh, yeah, we're, we're talking today about freedom, and especially in the, the foundational freedom uh, that we have, of course, because of Jesus Christ. Uh, but, of course, you, on, a, on a weekend uh, like this weekend, uh, you can't help but think about, as, as a nation, uh, how appreciative we are. You know, our citizenship is in heaven, uh, and Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Uh, but our second citizenship is a great country uh, called the United States of America. Uh, and this weekend and uh, this next couple of days after that, we're going to celebrate her independence. Uh, and there is a lot of correlation between what we know in Christ and also what we know from the founding of our great country. I love, uh, I love celebrating freedom. I love the 4th of July. I, I want to show you a picture. We went, recently went to uh, Richmond, and we sat in a reenactment of the, of the speech, you know, give me liberty, give me death, right? And so we sat in that same church building that they were in, and, uh, and uh, uh, I wanted to stand between two great orators hoping something would rub off. So that's Patrick Henry and Thomas Jefferson there. They're all sitting in the audience with you, and they're going right through that whole assembly that they went through exactly word for word years ago, uh, talking about our freedom. And they, they kind of get you because at first you're in the church, and bef- the first thing you do is you sing. They sing every national anthem of, of every anthem of our military branches. You sing all those as a congregation. Then you sing God Bless America, and then you sing the national anthem, and then they come out with this reenactment of this section and boy, when he does the give me liberty or give me death speech, I'm, they needed a recruiter at the door because, I mean, you're ready to sign up and go fight right then, you know. Uh, but there's something very, very precious about our country and about the founding fathers and those that fought uh, for freedom. Not just for freedom to do what we want to do, not a selfish freedom, but a freedom even to be able to worship the way we want to worship, that kind of freedom, that, that's become something very, very special. Uh, you, family, parents, take your kids to some historical places and teach them about this country. Don't let our history go untold about freedom that's important to who we are. And don't let other people tell you what our history is and change it. It is what it is. What I love about it is that all these great things began mostly in churches where pastors were firebrands who spoke on behalf of the Word of God and inspired people, uh, in their case, to be able to have a revolution, to have freedom in this country. Mike mentioned uh, Patrick Henry, give me liberty or give me death. I mean, think about that. You talk about faith and a cause. I believe in this so much, I'd rather have it or not be alive. That's basically burning the boats and saying, I'm all in. What a great heart. Or Thomas Jefferson When he said the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. So they understood the idea of ongoing sacrifice that was going to have to happen for us to maintain freedom. John Adams said, you will never know how much it has cost my generation to preserve your freedom. I hope you'll make good use of it. And what a statement. 
And every generation that makes those sacrifices looks to the next generation to carry on what we've been carrying on now for several hundred years. But beyond that, Jesus' sacrifice on the tree of Calvary is an even bigger sacrifice for all of us because that's something that can unite the entire planet, no matter what country you're from. And that's what I love. I'm an American. I'm proud of it, especially on the 4th. It brings out that patriotic blood, but I am a son of the Almighty God. And that comes because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And I can share that with any other country in the world, whether they're under communist rule, whether they're socialists, whether they're, they're dictators. There are people of God in every one of those settings. And we are their brothers and their sisters. And so we understand that that liberty and freedom comes because of Christ. But when you think about it, I mean, if it's, if it's so good, and it is, right? I mean, I, I, it's good to live in a free country. And if it's so good to be freed from the bondage of sin and death, why are there so many enemies to freedom? Have you thought about that? Why do so many people want to take it away? Why is it that there are people who want to blow you up when you're going to congregate or getting on an airplane? Why are they so angry and upset with freedom? And it's because there is a sinister work that has been at force on this planet from the very first time the very first man and woman were here that loves to enslave people, that loves to put people in bondage, that loves to have them so sinful and so separated that they don't even know who God is, but that they know they're miserable. The, the ultimate enemy of freedom is the evil one. You know, in Romans chapter 7 and chapter 8, a couple of different verses I want to share with you. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from the body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my flesh a slave to the law of sin. Therefore there is now no condemnation. Say that with me. No No condemnation condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. One of the things that has plagued us about our freedom is that we have not understood this thing of being free from the law of sin and death. When we obey the gospel, that law that says when I mess up and sin, I instantly die, we're not under that law anymore. The problem is most of us, even after we became a Christian, still lived like we were under that law with this fear of if I mess up and I say a bad word or I I do some sin in my life, I die and I've got to hurry up and say a prayer and get life back again. And we were like death to life, death to life all the time. Miserable way to live. There's no hope in that. No means no. When there's no condemnation, there isn't. So when you become a Christian, then you live and you walk and you grow in holiness. You don't keep dying over and over again because you're not under the law that says, when I sin, I die. And yet, how many of us have been deceived by Satan to live like we're still under that law? And it kept the chains of bondage on our own hearts and minds. And we couldn't even enjoy the freedom 
that God gave us. I think one of the greatest illustrations of the Bible of the enemies of freedom comes from John chapter 8. You remember the setting when when it starts out there in the first 11 verses of John chapter 8. There's a woman uh, who is brought in to a Bible class that Jesus is teaching early in the morning. I imagine her being, because she was caught in a very act of adultery, it says, so probably in a very bad situation and looking at the situation, you knew what, what's going on here. And she was dragged in and she was thrown down at the feet of Jesus and there were these people there and they wanted to put him to the test and they said, well, you know, the law says she needs to be stoned uh, for what's happened and what she's done. What do you say? And in that great moment, that battle this same idea about the law of sin and death because Jesus is now ushering in his era, he comes up with a great solution for the situation. He says, well, why don't the one of you who has no sin, you you throw the first one, and then we'll go from there. And then there's silence. And then the next thing you hear are rocks hitting the ground. The Bible says first it was the older ones, then the younger. And he looks up, and there's no one left but he and this woman. And he says, where are your accusers? They're gone. Go and leave your life of sin. I don't condemn you then. Grace in the place of law. Because of a heart that says, I have no other place and I have nothing left. I'm in this desperate place at the mercy of people with rocks in their hands. That's how that chapter begins. And so we get this great picture. And yet throughout the entire chapter for the rest of the way, Jesus is in defense of him as the Savior. I mean, he's telling these great things about who he is and what he's done. And these people are kind of pushing back. And this is finally they were like, okay, I, we believe you. We, we think you're something unique and special. And that's great until Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching in verse 31, you will really be my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And what was that truth? That I am the Messiah, that I have the power to take away the law of sin and death and usher in a law of spirit and life. Unfortunately for them, they didn't really believe. You know why? Because he said... If you'll want to leave this slavery you're in and follow me, you're not going to believe how free you'll be. Slavery? We're children of Abraham. We've never been a slave to anyone. Missed it. Why? Because it is an enemy of freedom. I would rather stay in a system that I cannot live up to than submit to a Christ who I just can't believe in. That's what happened in John 8. What's interesting is... When he gets to the end of it, after a very sterling defense of who he is, guess what? They picked up rocks to stone him. And at the end of the chapter, we get right back to where we started. Except now, instead of a half-naked woman who everybody could agree is wrong, they want to stone the Son of God and the messenger of grace and freedom. It is a great picture of the power that we face that does not love freedom. I've often wondered if those were, those were the same men, hmm. the same men that dropped the stones as Jesus challenged their life are the same men and later on in the chapter that pick up stones to run Jesus out. And I thought, how like us that, that is. Hmm. When, when, when we get in our, in our religious pride that we're going to 
condemn someone else. We're going to point out their sin. We're going to say, here's what you do with them. And then even maybe, maybe get convinced of it, maybe learn a little bit about grace, and then we find ourselves all come back full circle. Something happens, and we don't, we don't like something. We think somebody's in the wrong, and we find ourselves picking up stones again. And I thought, boy, I don't want to be like that, you know? I don't want to be one who throws rocks. You see, how many times... Have we wrapped the chains of judgment disguised as doctrine around the necks of God's people? And may we never do that again. Amen. I don't want to pass that on to the next generation. No way. No way. I do not want... Our church to be a church that's known for condemning. I want us to be a church known for this is where you find help. This is where you find help. And that a woman like that that's caught in something that gets brought, is, is she's surrounded by love and folks loving on her and helping her, helping her cover up her shame, helping her get over her guilt, helping her walk better in life. That's what we are about as a church family. We're not, we're not picking up rocks anymore. We're not going to reach down and grab them anymore. And we're not going to pass that habit down to our children. We are going to proclaim freedom and grace to people who need Jesus more than they need the next breath of fresh air. Because that's what we needed to. If my Lord was willing to stand up for an adulterer to show her a better way, then I want to be like him. I tell you what. He stood up for me when I was. He stood up for me when I was estranged from you, from my family. People could have thrown rocks. Instead, they welcomed me home. I think selfish pride is one of the great enemies of freedom. Because it's so easy in freedom to only think about yourself. Is that not what we see today in our country? I mean, it's terrible. Instead of thinking about other people, it's only, I'm free, so you'll do it my way. Or no way. The Bible tells us about this. Paul has a great text in Philippians chapter 2 that says, Don't do anything out of selfish ambition. In humility, consider others better than yourself. To consider their needs above your own. To look to their interest over you. That's what real freedom looks like. It's so good and it's so powerful that you want other people to embrace it. And to understand it. Then we say, uh, we immediately John said, well, yeah, yeah, but there's irresponsibility. Of course there is. With freedom, there's going to be mistakes. With tyranny, there's going to be mistakes. The difference is in Christ, we are forgiven of all of them. Remember, there is what condemnation? No condemnation. So in him, we find the freedom from this selfishness. In Galatians 5, Paul wrote, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So what becomes the cry of freedom? That become, that, that's the DNA of our church. Don't forget the simple thing that we're all about. is getting the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus to the world. Amen. 
That's our goal. Every decision that we make has to be run through that grid. Okay, will this help us love God and others? And will it help us get the message of Jesus to a lost world? If it helps us do those two things, I'm in. You know? Because we've got to keep it to that simple. What the greatest command is and the great commission is, is to get that message out any way we can so that we can see more and more people come to the cross. I, I love some of the things that were said at the camp reunion because it reminded me of what it's all about. And I, I love it when I think it was Danny that had people who had been baptized at camp stand up. And I thought, this is impacting lives, not just here, but around the world. And that's what we want to be a part of. Because see, as God's people, you are God's cry to the world. You are God's voice to the captive. You are God's message of freedom to those who need Christ. We cannot be silent. We must let freedom ring and watch God work. It's an amazing thing to be a part of. You know, Jesus' battle cry was, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. That's the cry that we carry on. It's kind of ironic in our country. If you kind of would go back and research, you see one of the early battle cries was taxation without what? Representation. Now, I think it's ironic in America that even at the very beginning it was about money, right? A lot. And it still is. But it became so much more than that. It was more than just taxes. There was a spirit about this beginning. A spirit about freedom. And a spirit that wanted to spread that to other places in the world. That's why even to this day we struggle. Because we look in other places in the world and we see women and children being under this tyranny and oppression and yoke and being harmed. And it's hard for us to, as Americans to know that's going on somewhere and not want to go and do something about it. That's hard. And we, we battle that. Can we be the policeman of the world? Can we be everywhere at the same time? But you know what we're battling? We're battling our spirit of freedom. Because we don't like it when other people are under tyranny. There's something unique and special about that. I've had the opportunity to do a lot of travel the last few years, but I think one of the things that has impacted me most was to go to this beautiful beach. I do beaches a lot, by the way, just so you know. Lisa and I have a rule that for every three work trips, we need a a week at a beach somewhere. And sometimes we work at the beach, so we like the beach. But this particular beach that looks so serene, and you see the little village there on the seaside, and you think, man, this would be a great place for a little holiday or trip, until you realize... That's Omaha Beach. And as beautiful as it is there in Normandy, France, and as tranquil as it looks for people to go and sit and have picnics, you realize what happened at this place. It was a crossroads of human history for freedom. In other words, what happened in that battle, what happened at Normandy, was going to determine freedom for millions and millions of people for hundreds of years to come. And it almost overwhelms you when you see it. But I tell you what's even more powerful when you walk up that beach about a half a mile and you see almost 10,000 crosses and stars of David and you realize the blood that was spilt on that sand and that group of GIs that did not come home and have the freedom with their families. Instead, they paid the ultimate sacrifice 
so that we could be sitting here this morning. So that we could be complaining about things we don't like to the government or to somebody else. Sacrifice. At 4.30 every afternoon, whenever that cemetery closes, people gather around the flag, the American flag. That, by the way, is American soil that was given to us by the French for our people that sacrificed their lives. They play a hymn. They play Star Spangled Banner. And then they play taps. And every American, I wish I had enough money to send every middle schooler that was ever born in America to experience what I experienced. It would change your view of what our country is really all about. I went back down to Omaha Beach after I cried like a baby for 30 minutes. And I scooped up some sand. Because I don't ever want to forget what it cost for us to be free. And when I think about our Lord and our Savior, and I think about His blood spilling into sand at the foot of a cross, I don't ever want to forget that. And that means that I can be set free forever. My citizenship is in heaven. I have eternal life because of Him. My citizenship in this country is assured because people are still willing to sacrifice. So the challenge for us today is, are we on board with being free? Do we really believe it? Are we willing to live it and cherish it and tell other people about it and sacrifice ourselves for the cause of the kingdom of God? If you're not a Christian this morning, today is a great day for you to experience the ultimate freedom A freedom from sin, a freedom from death, an embracing of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he came here to die for you, that he was raised for you, that he mediates for you, that he's coming back for you. The powerful story of the gospel of Christ, blood in the sand for you. So we want to invite you, if you never respond to the gospel, do that today. Believe in him with all of your heart. Commit to follow him. Confess him as Lord. We'll immerse you right back here in this water, reenacting the death, burial, and resurrection. And you will be free indeed. Now will be a spirit law that says the Holy Spirit lives in us. And I take care of all the rest. What a powerful thing. Or maybe you just need to be refreshed and renewed. Sometimes we forget of the power of the cross and the blessings that we have. If something has been troubling you, that enemy of freedom has been plaguing you, maybe it's guilt, shame, something else... Today is an opportunity to release that and to walk on in freedom and to cry that battle cry. We invite you to come while we stand and while we sing if you need to.